<laughs> Welcome to Fellowship of Champions Church International, where we are a church teaching you to do what? Walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every, every area, area of life. life. Every area of life. Every area. Every, everybody say every area of life. Every One of the things of you've got life. to get drilled down on the inside of you is every area, every area. of life. Every area. Every area <laughs> of life. There is not one area of your life that Christ is not the answer. Amen. There is not one area of your life that the word and the power of God cannot transform. Amen. You must stop excluding areas of your life and tolerating things in areas of your life that Jesus died to set you free from. Amen. So this is a church teaching you, teaching you, teaching. not hyping you, right. <laughs> not telling you to run around and touch your neighbor, right. but teaching you teaching. to walk in love, yes. live by faith so that you can, so that you can experience <laughs> total life prosperity or victory in, in every, every area, area of your life. life. Now I'm going to tell you this as we get into it, any area of your life that you are seeing defeat, you have a word deficiency. Yeah. Any area of your life that you are not seeing what Jesus said, you have a word deficiency. The Bible says the worlds were framed by the word. Mm -hmm. So your world is being framed by somebody's word. Yeah. If it doesn't look like days of heaven on earth, you have a word deficiency. And the way that you fix that is you must prioritize the word. That's so good. That's you must so good. prioritize the word. So when you look at your life and you go, why am I not getting breakthrough in my finances? Why am I not getting breakthrough in my health? Why am I not getting breakthrough in my mental state? You have a word deficiency. And how many of you know, I know this because um, ever since I started having kids, I started having low iron. And whenever you have a deficiency in something, it impacts how your body operates, even if you don't know how you're being negatively impacted. Mm -hmm. And I remember when they first found out how low my iron was and they were shocked that I was still moving around. But the truth of it is, is that I had learned how to manage with the deficiency, but I was never designed to live with the mm -hmm. deficiency. And when they gave me that first iron infusion, baby, it reset me in ways I didn't know I was deficient. Mm. There are many of you, you just because you are managing with the word deficiency does not mean that is how God has determined for you to live. Yeah. And there are going to be some supernatural breakthroughs when you prioritize the word and you allow Christ to become the answer. And there are going to be things that you were walking through managing. You didn't even realize the amount of energy you were exerting. You didn't even realize those things. But when the word begins to give you life, it's going to change everything. And we don't settle for management. We want victory because that's what Jesus died to give us. Yeah. And what people have to realize and you know, and I know we'll get into our announcements here in a second, but what people have to realize, I think I talked to probably a dozen people 
on just yesterday. Just yesterday. Like literally, people, you know, in our ministry. And I know that sometimes it can be frustrating to hear someone keep saying to you, it's because you have a word deficiency. It's because you have a word deficiency. It didn't matter what they were talking about yesterday. My response to them, to sum everything up, was that you've got a word deficiency. There is a Christ for that. There's an anointing for that. Whether it's a financial struggle, a relationship struggle, whether it's not understanding your next move in your career, whatever it was, the litany of things that I talked to people about just on yesterday, I'm trying to constantly get people to understand that a lot of the things that are happening in your life that are negative is a result of not having enough word on that particular issue. And it's not a slight to anybody, but it is a thing to say, hey, it's like if I said, to, if, if, and I explained this to somebody yesterday, I said, if you kept coming to me and say, hey, I can't see my computer screen when I'm sitting at the computer screen. I would say, well, do you think you need glasses? Absolutely. I don't know, but I can't see the screen. Well, how about we go to a doctor and get you diagnosed? Okay, well, then if you don't go to the doctor, right, if you don't follow through and get the glasses, if you don't wear the glasses and you keep saying, I can't see the screen, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I don't know what else I'm supposed to, to help you with. Or you go to the doctor, get a prescription, for contacts or glasses, but you won't wear them. That's what I'm saying. You don't wear them. You do right. everything, but you don't wear them. But you don't wear but them. But you keep saying, I can't see the screen. At some point, there's a deficiency on your part. And for many of us, myself included, you included, anybody who's listening, if we will, if we will calm ourselves down and really think that this issue I'm facing is not so unique, that, that it's so unique that there's not a solution for me, the truth is there's a Christ for that. And many times in order for you to understand that, you need word on that issue. You need word on that issue. And one of the ways that you can tell you are facing an issue where there is word deficiency is when someone begins to present you the word, you will get irritated. Mm -hmm. One, so listen, I want you to hear this so you can track yourself, you can track it in other people. When you have a problem and someone offers you the word and you feel like the word is too small, you feel like you need something other than the word, that is evidence that you have a word deficiency because if you understood the value of the word and the power, and the power of the word, you could never think the word wasn't enough. There is literally one word from God that can change your life. But the truth of it is, is that many people, and I know we're going to get into the announcements, but you saw them already. This is more important. There are many people that you in your mind somehow have separated Jesus from the word. And so you say, I love Jesus, but you don't love the word. Even though the Bible says Jesus was the word is the word, became the mm -hmm. word, became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you say you love Jesus, but you don't love the word, what I can assure you is that you are going to have a life of a lot of emotionalism. You are going to have a life that's going to have a lot of ups and downs, a lot of chaos. Why? Because you want to love Jesus, the person apart from Jesus, the word. And it is Jesus, the living word that changes your life. 
It's just like when Pastor Edwin keeps telling us there is a Christ for that, that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Right. Well, here's a good example so you can be self-reflective. How many of you from very early on can remember hearing Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah. How many of you can remember hearing Jesus Christ? Now, be self-reflective. How many of you can also say, man, I was curious about what the word Christ meant. So I got in scripture to find out what the word Christ meant, because to say Jesus Christ without knowing what Christ means doesn't profit you anything. And even though you may intellectually say, well, I know it's not his last name, but if you don't understand what Christ actually is and what the anointing is and what the anointing does, you're calling on a name while minimizing its power because you really are treating Jesus Christ as though it's the same as Jesus Nazareth or Jesus of Galilee, right? Or Jesus Mary's son or Jesus Joseph's son. So when we're saying a Christ, that Christ is the answer, we're saying that Jesus is the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing. Mm -hmm. So when I can bring his anointing into any area of my life, yokes will be destroyed and burdens will be removed. If yokes and burdens are still there, I need more word. Tell your neighbor, say we always need more word. We always need more word. We always need more word. Now, why is this so important? Because you know I'm going back to Pastor Edwin's vision. I was talking to him about it this morning. I love this dream that he has where God gives him this dream. And he's like, and literally, what's the question? How can he help the people? He wants to know how can he help the people of God, the people we've been called to pastor, the people who casually watch us, the people who are visitors. He wants to know how can we help the people? And God says to him, there it, tell my people there is a Christ for that. One of the things that I have found about most believers is that most believers get excited about a prophetic word, but they don't dig down until that prophetic word becomes real. So they get excited about it. So we get excited and we go, oh my God, what a wonderful dream that Pastor Elwin had. What a wonderful dream. God turned his shoulders and he saw Jesus walking his light and all of the people being delivered. But that emotionalism and that excitement is not going to free you. What then has to happen is that you got to say, okay, how many of you believe Pastor Edwin is your pastor? That's your pastor. That's your spiritual father. That is your man of God, right? So now the Bible says that God gives us pastors after his own heart. So he gives our leader, our pastor, this vision of Jesus being the answer of there is a Christ for that. Tell your neighbor, then we have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility. The word has been prophesied to us that that's how Christ wants to show up. Then our responsibility becomes to pray over that word, to study that word, to ask Holy Spirit to give us revelation for that word. We cannot live our life waiting on Ralph to teach us the next thing about that word, waiting on Chandra to pray to pray us the next thing about that word, waiting on Pastor Edwin to show up next Sunday with another step. We've got to say, wait a minute, there is a Christ for that. 
Holy Spirit, teach me what that means so I get the anointing operating in my life so I'm not repeating the same cycles. Mm -hmm. Now, I said to you this morning as we were getting dressed that this week, the thing that struck out to me about the vision, because I meditated on it every day, is that there were masses of people that got delivered. And I said to you that I believe that that means that part of what we're called to do, FOC, is to begin to declare there will be mass deliverance. I was saying I don't necessarily see that mass deliverance is necessarily going to come in crusade form. But we have to begin to believe that there is a mass deliverance coming to the people of God Whereas Christ, as Jesus as re is revealed as the Christ, that everything that has been holding people in bondage will be broken. That means part of our prayer strategy has to be, we decree and declare that everybody who is supposed to watch service, they always end up in service at the right moment, at the right time. We declare that when posts are made, when Kristen posts, when, when, when the prayer team prays, when Chandra posts something, that there is going to be word that goes out that super bless you, that supernaturally breaks people free. So it can't just be bless you. Mm -hmm. It can't just be I want to get free for me because if the vision was just for us, Pastor Elwin only would have saw fellowship of champions in the vision, in the dream. Do you understand what I'm saying? But he saw masses of people. So our responsibility is to take the anointing for our own lives, use it to unlock our own lives, and then use it to unlock the masses. You know, when you were talking about that this morning, I thought about, again, another portion of our guiding word, right? In a portion of our guiding word, it says, it says, when we partner together. When we partner together. All of those things, right, that have held you in bondage will be destroyed. Who are you partnering with? You have to really stop for a second and say, okay, who is this word coming from? Okay. From the Lord. The Lord has given us this word, right? We know the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? He says, when we, who is we? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is a part of that. Jesus then is the Christ. Jesus is the one who carries that anointing with him. So you could replace this and say, when you partner with the anointing, when you partner with the anointing, all of those things that have held you in bondage will be destroyed. Will be destroyed. It's the word he gave us before we ever started the year off. He says, you got to partner with the anointing. So when I so so in the dream, when God is when I'm saying to God, what can I what do I what do you want me to share with your people? And he says, tell them there's a Christ for that. He's just going back really to this guiding word he gave us that says, if you will partner with the anointing, then all of those things that have held you in bondage will what? Be destroyed. And, and I want to say this because I think this is so important. Everybody give some heart, some fire, some praise the Lord, and welcome to our first time visitors. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Welcome to our Fellowship of Champions family from all over the world. We're glad that you're here. I really need you guys to hear us. We are so thankful for faithful partners, okay? Mm -hmm. we, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. We are so thankful that you show up to service. We are so thankful that you show up to prayer. 
We are so thankful that you get up at 6.30 a.m. and for some of you, 4.30 a.m. in order to come to Champion Circle. But the partnership must go beyond attending service. You got to do more than just partner with us. You got to do more than just partner with us. We want you to us. partner with us, but it can't just be partnering with us. You have to partner with that anointing. You have to partner with that anointing, which means when we're coming to church and when we're praying um, over, let, let me just say this, one of our covenant partners, um, Kisha Jackson, her mother passed earlier this week. So could you lift her mm -hmm. and her family up? Absolutely. Uh, we're believing God for partnership that the spirit of grief will not overtake her Amen. family, Amen. that the peace of God will the sustain God. them, that they will grieve in a healthy, proper yes. way that does not steal from them Amen. and allows them to continue the legacy that their mother started. Amen. And so we believe God for that. Thank Amen. you. So guys, hear what we're saying, guys. So it's not enough to come to church. So then partnership has to then be keen and your notes are so good this morning. Partnership has to begin to go, okay, if my man of God has given us these prophecies, he's given us these prophetic words that align with scripture, right? We can see that they align with scripture. There's going to be great ease. Mm -hmm. If you partner with me, don't be moved by what you see. And then, because I want to teach you, because I feel like that a lot of people don't know what to do with the word after they got it, besides repeat it. I feel like a lot of people do not know what to practically do with the word. So I'm going to give you a practical example from my life. And I want you to, as I'm giving you this example, to take this example and think about how it needs to apply to areas in your life that you are in bondage. So you gave us this word, what? This is the third week now, right? Because we totally mm -hmm. changed the message. This is the third week, okay? So many of you know our testimony about Jordan. How many of you have heard the testimony about Jordan? Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many amazing things that have happened about Jordan. Well, when we got the word about Jordan, many times when God is walking you through a journey, the word that he gives you evolves. He gives you more and more as you go because there's no need to give you the full picture if you aren't willing to go, Okay. So I'm laying in bed. It's about two o'clock in the morning. Um, everybody in the house is asleep and I'm praying over the kids. When I get to Jordan, I begin to rehearse a prophetic word that was released by Chase when he was probably in the second grade. He said that he was praying for Jordan and the Lord said to him, hey, when I get through with Jordan, no one will know she was diagnosed with autism unless you tell the story. Now, if you've ever met Jordan, you can see that Jordan has made a lot of progress. Y'all better get in here and understand what I'm saying. But you can also see that there are still that this whole word has not had fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Now, my man of God just told me he'd been telling me for two weeks. There's a Christ for this. It was actually week before last. So it was Thursday before last. So I say to God, you told Chase that this is what the finish would look like for Jordan. 
I know we can't be at the finish because Jordan doesn't look like what you told Chase. Now I'm going to pull in James 1 and 5 because I've done everything I know to do. James 1 and 5 tells us what? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We have seen Jordan make tremendous academic progress. We have seen Jordan make tremendous um, cognitive process, but we can also see that we do not see everything that God sees. So I say to God, I don't know what else to do. I need instruction. Somebody say the next morning. The next morning. The next morning. I'm talking to somebody I know. And she randomly tells me about this program that has helped her daughter. What, what's my responsibility now, guys? To find out more about that program. My responsibility now is to find out more about the program. And I think that's the thing that people miss. I think the thing people miss, too, is when you read James 1 and 5, it says, if any man lack wisdom, it says, then let him ask of God. It says, who then gives to man wisdom unabraided. It means, so the moment I ask God, I need to be on the lookout for the wisdom. I need to be on the lookout for the wisdom. And it don't, it don't always come knock on your door and say, hey, I'm wisdom. That's why you got to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So as you're having this conversation and she randomly, she thinks it's random, but it's already God ordained. She mentioned something that has tremendously helped her child who's also suffering with some auditory processing issues and social anxiety and those kind of things. She's mentioning that to you. That's your wisdom. That's your key. But you can't just go, oh, that's cool. Now it becomes your responsibility to now investigate the wisdom that God has released to you. And, and this is where I think people miss. So I immediately go to the website. Yeah. I immediately take the quiz for Jordan. Jordan happens to be at school by this time. I text Jordan and say, when you get home, I need you to take this quiz. Immediately, I say to Edwin, listen, if there is a chance that this program is going to close the gap, I'm willing to pay whatever it costs. I, I don't care because I have a word from God. Now, let me tell you where I see the disconnect for a lot of you. Pastor Edwin will say, every partner ought to make $100,000. And literally, somebody will give you a suggestion and say, I think you should look for a new job. And you will go, okay, that's good. Praise the Lord. He could say it today. You will get off of this live and go watch basketball or go watch TikTok as though the word didn't belong to you. You don't take any ownership of it. And then you somehow wonder why every month your finances look the way that they look. But because I believe God, I am looking for the answers that he gave me. So I'm talking to these people. Jordan takes the quiz. We look at it. I, I have the first interview, right? In the first interview, they start explaining things that look exactly like Jordan. I now know we have a piece. I don't necessarily know that this piece is the final piece. I know I have a responsibility for this piece. Pause. Let me stop. So here's what happens sometimes. Somebody comes to us. They say my marriage is in trouble, right? Yep. We give them three instructions. 
They do one of them. They come back two weeks later. Their marriage is still in trouble. And when you ask them why they didn't do the steps, I say, I didn't do it because Strick didn't do it. Strick says he didn't do it because Sean didn't do it. And you know what happened? Well, we tried and it didn't work. We tried it and it didn't work. So your relationship been crazy for 15 years. We gave you three instructions that you're supposed to implement over two weeks. You tried them twice. And because one of y'all got a funky attitude, one of you didn't fully respond, then what you do is go back and do what you know didn't work. The anointing cannot work when people act that way. Yeah. You apply for one job this week. No, when I believe my man of God says everybody ought to make $100,000, I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I can see that food is going up. I can see that gas is going up. I can see that packages are getting smaller, even though costs are going up. I got to say to myself, I can't afford to stay at this $60,000 job because I'm barely making it at this $60,000 job. My man of God told me everybody should make a $100,000 job, make $100,000. That means that even if a $100,000 job for me didn't exist before he said it, I am going to pressure that word until a $100,000 job exists. Faith is not passive. And I think the reason that people are so frustrated, and I feel like this is the thing that so many people are worn out by, because going to a teaching church doesn't make you a student, just like going, standing in your car, in your garage doesn't make you a car. So when I get a word that something is supposed to be happening to me and it's not happening, my responsibility is to use faith as a weapon to bring forth what God said belongs to me. Does that make sense, guys? So we talked to the people. We signed Jordan up for the program. Why? Because that's as far as we can go. And now that she signed up, it's not enough to sign up. Now you have to participate and follow all of the instructions with fidelity. And I can't tell you the number of people who do not follow instructions with fidelity. What do I mean when I say fidelity? You follow the instructions the way they were given. You don't ad lib the instructions. You don't skip parts of the instructions. You don't add your own little special flavor to it. You don't know what to do. That's the reason you're in the situation that you're in. You don't go to the doctor. The doctor tells you, I want you to take these three pills. Uh, I want you to take these pills three times a day for 10 days. And you figure that, you know what, you're just going to do two pills for 20 days. You don't do that. You need to follow instructions with fidelity. And again, I said that probably 12 times yesterday. It does, it does not do any good for me to give you instruction and then you follow them half the way. It doesn't do any good to get wisdom from God and not follow the instruction that's coupled with the wisdom. So here's a great example. Anybody who knows Jordan knows that Jordan also wakes up early in the morning. Mm -hmm. Anybody who knows Sean knows that Sean, especially on a Saturday when she is not doing anything, does not want to get up early in the morning. But on yesterday morning, when Jordan said to me, I need you to get up and help me with my exercises, I got up and did it, 
even though it wasn't the most comfortable thing because transformation and seeing what God said is going to take more than Roko na 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 Monday. I got to get up and do the practical work. Mm -hmm. And it was actually late for Jordan. It was early. It was for you. early for me. It was, <laughs> it was no, late for Jordan. The rest of the family is like, whoa. But Jordan, Jordan had like, been up six hours. She had been up six hours. It's it's actually I'm gonna tell y'all what time it was. It was 11:15, and she was like, "Can you be ready by 11:30?" <laughs> I get up, y'all. It's 11:30. I'm walking to the door. She back knocking on the door. I said, "Here I come." She said, "Yes, I was coming to see about you." And I think the truth of it is, is that many of you, if you are honest, you have received instruction that you disregarded. You received instruction that had you implemented would have you so much further ahead in your life. And I can, I, can, I can say that about myself because you have to be honest. But here's what I know, that when you start to follow instruction, God will start to multiply things in your life. He'll catch you up. He'll catch you up to where you would have been had you not ever been disobedient. That's the promise in his word when he says, I give you back the years that the canker worms ate. He says, I'll give you back those things. When you start following instructions, things will start to happen so fast that God puts you right back as though you had never missed those times. So that is so good and it's so true. And the challenge for a lot of people is that they're trying to get redemption without obedience. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get, they hear the word That's of good. acceleration. There is no, there they is no hear redemption the word without obedience. They hear the word of respect. They, they hear the word of restoration, mm -hmm. right? And they think that they can get it. It's not just enough to say, God, I repent. Mm -hmm. It also has to be the repenting has to turn me. And then I begin to do with fidelity what he told me to do. Mm -hmm. What he told me to do. Why is this so important? None of the teaching we ever give you will do anything but excite you. Yep. If you don't know, it'll excite you first. Yep. And then it's going to offend you and yep. frustrate you. Yep. Because you're going to keep hearing about how it should be a season of ease. And it's not going to be a season of ease. You're going to keep hearing about how there should be financial breakthrough. And it's not going to be a season of financial breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And then the enemy's going to use it to say to you that this God stuff doesn't work. And it really doesn't take all of that. Come on, Nitra. She said, we are redeemed because of Christ's obedience. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that he obeyed to death. It reminds me of the story Dr. Didi told us when she came to my live event, right? Dr. Didi's talked to me on the phone. I post a picture of this pound cake that I make. She calls me and she says, I want to make a pound cake. I say to her, even though she Dr. Didi, I say, if you do this your way, it's not going to work. If you want the cake I have, do what I tell you to do the way I tell you to do it. She was like, she took that to heart. She said she has never made a cake outside of the instructions that I gave her until she perfected the method and then said, okay, God, how could I turn this into a lemon cake? How could I turn this into a Coca-Cola cake? But many of you are trying to modify before you have any measure of mastery. That's why I say you got to follow with fidelity. You follow the instruction until you've mastered the instruction. Then you can start to add your own little spice and other things to it. But you don't add spice to something until you know what you're doing, because then you don't know what did or what didn't work. You don't know if the, you don't know if the actual instruction didn't work or if your adding to didn't work. 
Now, here's what I know. Anytime God gives us an instruction, it's going to work. It's going to work. But, but, but what happens is people carry that same lack of fidelity into other areas of their life. So on your job, you've been given a task to do something a certain way. And because you practice not following fidelity in other areas of your life, you don't practice fidelity in that area of your life. You don't follow the instruction the way it's supposed to be done. And now you screw something up on your job that costs you more time, more effort, more energy, and maybe money to the organization. And you wonder why you're not getting promoted. You wonder why you're getting demoted. You wonder why you're being laid off. You wonder why you're being fired. It's because you don't practice following instruction with fidelity. And if you practice following God's instruction with fidelity, you can practice other things in your life. So when you get a word from your pastor, when you get a word from your doctor, when you get a word from your lawyer, when you get a word from your accountant, when you get a word from your architect, you will follow their instructions with fidelity. What's the point of going to an expert only to not follow the expert's advice? You could have just done that on your own if that's the case. And that's the thing I think sometimes that people don't realize what they're doing. They're not self-aware. They're not self-reflective to know the reason I'm in this situation is because I do not follow instructions. Is this helping you guys? No, I really hope this is helping you guys because we got some good notes here. We don't even have to teach those but, notes today. But those notes will not help you if you don't follow instruction, there's a scripture in Proverbs. Um, see if you guys can find it. It says a curse doesn't come without a cause. It says just like something about the bird lights on the head or on the nest, a curse doesn't come without a cause. What is a curse? Empowered to fail. Mm -hmm. Failure doesn't come without a cause. The truth of it is, is that a lot of you believe because you are nice people, you should experience living in power to prosper. You think that because you are nice people, but you are nice people who do what you want to do the way you want to do it. Proverbs 26 and 2, it says, like the sparrow in her wandering, like the swallow in her flying. So the curse without a cause does not come and alight on the undeserving. So curse is empowered to fail. I am failing in my finances because there is a principle I am consistently violating that is causing me to struggle. And, the and, and that empowerment to fail doesn't come unless there is a cause for it to come. And the cause for it to come in many people's lives is their lack of obedience, which in, which in turn is their uh, constant disobedience. They're, they're pro many, um, we, we had a conversation yesterday with somebody um, and, and we were talking about um, they are working on improving their skin. And in this process of improving their skin, they have a three-step process that they are supposed to do Every single day, How when they check, every single day. See, that's part of the instruction. Every single day, they are supposed to use this dry scrub brush. They are supposed to shower with this certain soap. They are supposed to then rinse. They are supposed. It's four steps. They're supposed to put this oil on, and then when they get out and dry off, they're supposed to put this other cream on. Right? It's yep. four steps. Right? So when we're talking to the person about doing it. How they've had the products two weeks. How many times have you done this in the last two weeks? They like, well, I took a shower every day. 
Well, I used the oil a couple of days. Well, I ain't used it at all some days. I didn't do any of it some days. And one of the things that we said that we that, that, that you guys really need to think about it, the scripture says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. For most believers, you are not doing what the world would consider the big sins. It is your small disobedience and the way you have trained yourself to disregard what you do not believe is important. Hear what I said. You have trained yourself to disregard the instructions of God you don't deem as important. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things we were going to talk about, we don't have to do these notes, but we were going to talk about financial increase. Let me tell you what I'm seeing a lot with people in financial increase. What I'm seeing a lot with people in financial increase is that they want to sow seed to avoid doing the other work. Mm -hmm. Now, you got a group of people who don't want to sow at all. But you got a group of people who you get that giver's high from sowing seed. And it's easier to sow a seed than to improve on the presentation. It's easier to sow a seed than to keep applying for a job and getting a rejection. So what you do is that you are you are ignoring the scripture in Ecclesiastes that says to sow the seed and withhold not your hand because you don't know which one is going to prosper. And you think you can overdose on sow, seed sowing and end up with increase. And your accounts are proving that you can't. And I tell people all the time, the seed you ought to be sowing is the word. Is the word. The Bible actually says the, 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 the seed is, is the, the word. word. Is, it, is there a principle about sowing a financial seed? Yes, there is a principle around sowing a financial seed. But if all you're doing is getting hype and sowing a seed and then going back and living your life the same exact way, eventually you're just going to become frustrated. You're going to become uh, disengaged and you're going to become upset because you're going to be having less and less money and, more, and the same problem is going to keep existing. And so, you know, it's the reason that, you know, someone asked me the other day, they said, why when you do air talk, do you not ever share your cash app? Because my thing is, if I'm doing air talk, I'm doing air talk to improve your life, to help you. I'm being obedient to God. I'm not doing it trying to get money from you. I'm doing it because I need you to learn how to implement things in your life to make your life better. There, have there been people who sow seed? Yes, because they hear from the Holy Spirit to do it and they find out what my cash app is or they or they do or they send me a seed that way. But I think we have to we have to be careful that we don't get into this thing where we think that just sowing a financial seed is the last answer. Is the last answer, man? Y'all want to be sharing this? With I want to. I want to give you fifty dollars. Okay, great. You give me fifty dollars. But what are you going to do after you give the fifty dollars? If you go back home and you live the same way, you're going to get the same results. And and we know that it's insanity to actually think to keep you're going to keep doing the same thing and you're going to get a different result. And so it's just it's one of those things. And I know that it's because of what we've been called to in the body. We've been called to be a teaching ministry. And as a result, it's very important for us and for the people in this ministry to understand we are not an information ministry. Huh. We're not here to just give you information. A teacher's job is to instruct you so they can then evaluate whether or not you can do something with the information that you have. 
And that can be frustrating to people because we'll sit, we will literally sit here and talk about this for two to three hours if we if we if, if you hung in here that long. Why? Because it's important for you to understand the the practical things you have to do in your life in order to live a successful life. Just going to church is not going to make you live a successful life. Just listening to us teach. I don't care if you spend in your entire Sunday, listen to seven different preachers, listen to three different prophetic words, and sowing half of your check into different people's lives. If you wake up on Monday and do what you did last Monday, you're going to get what you got last Monday. And are, or as they say, the kids say and is. And it's like, and it's like we're trying to help you understand there has to be a difference in what you do. Can y'all please share this? If this is helping you, there ought to be fire. There ought to be likes. There ought to be shares. There ought to be comments. And I have to say this. Several years, two years ago, I began to talk about how God taught me to sow every day. And I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. When God is teaching you to sow every day, God is not telling you to sow into the same person every day. And when you are, when you gather around teachers that are saying, oh, sow into me, sow into me, sow into me, I'm the ground. I am telling you that even if they don't mean it that way, that is a manipulation and a hustle. Because at the end of the day, everybody that I taught to sow every day, what did I tell you to do? I told you to ask God every day where the seed should go. Yes. And I owe you to tell you that because some of it you are sowing, but you have now decided because somebody told you it's always me. It ain't never always me. How it's going to always be me? I ain't Jesus. So even this principle of asking wisdom, of learning to live by seed time and harvest, it's the principle of saying, what should I sow today? And where should I sow? It is not every day in order to prove to God I'm serious, I got to sow to Chris. That is not what it is. It's not what it is. But why do people get pulled into that? Can I tell you why you get pulled into it? You don't ask God any questions. Mm -hmm. You get pulled into it because even though we're saying to you, what did God say? The Bible says in 1 John, it says, try the spirit to see whether it's of God. Now, listen, I want to help y'all. Peter loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. Peter was the first one who had the revelation that Jesus was the Christ. The the anointing. He was the anointing. Baby, when I tell you, they said, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, God, and Jesus said to him, what? He said, whoa. He said, whoa. Flesh and blood Flesh did and not blood reveal, did not this, reveal to this to you. But the Holy Ghost, the Father who is in heaven. So Peter is walking in this tremendous revelation that Jesus is the anointing. He is the answer. He is the answer. Jesus, fast forward. Jesus then turns around and says he has to go to the cross 
And Peter tells him, you ain't never going to the cross. And you know what Jesus does? He, he turns around and he rebukes him. And he identifies that even though Peter had revelation in one area, he is be, his emotions are causing him to be influenced by Satan in another mm -hmm. area. You got to hear God for yourself. You got to get in this word. You have to study this word because no matter how much I love you, if I begin to say to you that I'm the person you should sow into every day or you can only get a prophetic word from me or it's only going to work if I'm going to lay hands on you, you got to have the wisdom to say, Pastor Sean may be right about saying hear what God's saying, but she's not right about this. And you ought to be able to line it on scripture, not just because you no, don't like what I see. That's right. Not because you don't like right. what I see. Right. You ought to be able to lay it on top of scripture. Because there is a difference between you not liking some instruction that we have given you because your flesh doesn't like it. Right. Which is what we were saying to the person about the steps with the with the skincare is that the truth of it is your flesh doesn't like instruction. Your flesh doesn't like instruction. It's your flesh is enmity against God. Anything that God will tell you to do, your flesh naturally wants to rebel from it. Did you hear that? I'm going to prove it to you. There are people every day on this live that you do not eat till 11 or 12 o'clock. But when we fast, you wake up hungry. Mm -hmm. Now, your body is already trained not to eat till 11 or 12. Yeah. But when we fast, you wake up hungry. In fact, sometimes you go to bed hungry when you fast. It's midnight and you're hungry. Why? Your flesh is fighting against mm -hmm. God. So when you get godly instruction, your flesh is going to fight. And because the enemy is so crafty, this is what he will say. He will use something spiritual to get you to disobey. Mm. I'm going to show you. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Yep. Ecclesiastes says that in the realm of financial breakthrough, you must sow your seed. The Mark tells us you must sow the word and then you must do the work, okay? Now, the truth of it is, you don't really want to work on your resume. You don't really want to because it feels overwhelming to you to have to think about what your gifts and your talents are and how to market them in a way that somebody will hire you, right? So then somebody gets online and tells you your breakthrough is about a seed. So then what you do is you sow the seed thinking that you can abdicate the responsibility of fixing the resume because you sowed the seed. Or you think that you can sow the seed to heal not eating cheese instead of obeying God's instruction not to eat cheese. Mm. So what the enemy does for Christians is that now he knows the word too. He knows that my flesh doesn't want to do this one instruction. So instead of just telling me to outright disobey God, he presents something else that seems spiritual to justify my disobedience. Is this making sense to anybody? He tells you to apologize to your spouse. You cook dinner. That's not what he said. 
That's why the Bible says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices because for somebody in the world, he's just going to tell them to flat foot sin. Somebody who is trying to walk with God, he knows if he says to Latanya, just sin, just disregard God, she going to be like, I'm not going to do that. So he going to say, now Latanya, I know that the Holy Ghost told you to apologize, but the way you should apologize is to cook dinner. Let that dinner be your apology. It's still disobedience. It's not the instruction. So we're trying to get you today to ask the Holy Spirit, what are the small foxes? Where are the places that I am not operating in fidelity? Where are the places that I, I believe it's Romans 14, it says um, to know to do and not to do is sin. It's to miss the mark. There are many of you who you have clear instructions. You have gotten them from Pastor Elwin. You've gotten them from me. You've gotten them from Minister Chandra. You've gotten them from Ralph, from Nietzsche, from Chris. You've gotten them from a therapist. You've gotten them from all of these different people, right? And But you keep trying to find something else that will suffice. Now, what you're doing is you're doing the issue that Cain had. You want to offer God a sacrifice that he is not interested in. Now, take a deep breath and hear what I'm saying to you. You want to offer a sacrifice to God that he is not interested in. Cain wanted to give God an offering he didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. And all over the world, we have believers that you want to give God an act, an offering, a sacrifice that he didn't ask for, that he did not ask for. I was, Kim Dennis sent me a message yesterday and she said that she was posting because Kim is a coach. She does a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching. She said that the Lord specifically had told her yesterday morning to post that she was a six-figure earner, right? And she said um, she didn't want to post that. And she said she talked about how the Lord corrected her and basically said to her, I didn't ask you what you wanted to do. She was like, she was like, why is the Holy Spirit talking so strong to me right now? And I said to her, because now you're grown up. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not an issue that you don't know. This is an issue that you are intentionally deciding not to obey God. Right? So we have got to, if we want to see Christ as the anointing, y'all put in the comments what y'all taking away from this. If you want to see Christ, the anointing, break the yokes in your life, tell me what you have gathered from this teaching that you have to do. Because love, God's love for us and God's desires to see us free does, mean, does not mean that God is going to modify his instructions for us, right? Absolutely. He just, he's not, he's not. And if I sow a seed, but I still do my own thing, I might as well have not sown the financial seed because I'm going to be frustrated. Let's see. Latasha Long made it simple. We got to crucify our flesh daily. Tamara says we got to obey at all costs. We don't know the way. Kim just put it out there. She says stop being disobedient. Somebody said, I can't see the name of that, 
follow the instructions and don't add or don't take away. No, Tony said, I got to stop making excuses or saying, I forgot. I forgot. Why? Because this word is so good. God has been so gracious to us. He has told us we're supposed to be in a place of ease. Say amen to that. He has told us that he has already provided everything that we need in this season. He has told us to partner with him. And he has told us that Christ is our answer. We can't just disregard that, guys. We have to do our part. Mm -hmm. We've got to do our part, guys. Our, I love Tay said, God's instructions shouldn't be optional. And as long as they are optional, so are the blessings in your life going to be. Mm -hmm. As long as they are optional, so are the blessings in your life going to be. Whether you are prospering or not, it's just going to be all willy-nilly. It ain't going to be no better than playing a scratch-off for what you can see. <laughs> it's not going to be any better than playing a scratch-off, but you're not called to live a scratch-off life. Mm. You're not called to live a scratch-off life. Dude, are you, you done? No. no, no, no. no. I thought you were reading people's comments. No, I mean, this is just, you know, I, I want, I'll, I'll give y'all an example from my own life. Anybody who knows me knows that I grew up very, very, very traditional Baptist. We ain't do nothing in our church. Baby, if you stood up and lifted your hands, they would usher you in the back of that church. And then I went to a Baptist church that we did a little more, but we still didn't do no bunch of stuff. And then Edwin took me over there to Dakota Church where a whole lot of stuff happened, right? In about a year in that church, God totally changed my understanding of how he operated. We went back to the second church that, that we had gone to and the pastor, Reverend Hawkins at the time, asked us to come up and pray for people. So when we're praying for people, the people are falling down. That's pretty normal for Edwin, I guess, because he coaching and that's, that is not normal for me. So I get this bright ideas, guys, where I say to the Lord, because I'm talking about following instruction and thinking that you have the right to determine how the anointing is going to work. So I am so uncomfortable because fundamentally I'm still this Baptist girl who don't understand why people fall out even when I'm watching it happen. So I say to the Lord that I, if he won't stop people from falling out, I just won't lay hands on people no more. So literally the next time somebody calls me up to pray, I don't touch anybody and the people start falling down when I'm standing in front of them. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Sean, I don't work for you. You work for me. You work with me. I don't work for you. And you don't get to tell me how deliverance comes. Now that may be in terms of laying hands, but I've had to learn. I don't get to tell God how deliverance comes. Mm -hmm. I don't get to tell God when Edwin may lose weight a certain way and God tell me to lose weight a certain another way. I don't get to tell God how deliverance comes. It's my flesh that thinks it has the right to tell God how deliverance comes. If you notice in Pastor Edwin's vision, nobody's telling Jesus anything. People are receiving from Jesus 
They're not giving Jesus instruction. They're not saying, this is the way I want my child delivered. This is the way I want the new job to come. This is what I want to do. The people are receiving the light and the truth from him. We must crucify the thing in us that thinks we have the right to tell the creator of the universe and the savior of our souls how deliverance should occur. Mm -hmm. All right. That's what I got. So that's what we got for today. <laughs> Come on, guys. We got to do things God's way. So let's just have a mass repentance today because every one of us have a, has an area that we keep trying to do it the way that we want to do it. How many of us just need to repent for that today? I don't know the way. Even if I think I know the way, I don't know the pitfalls. I don't know all the ways to get there. And Christ is my answer. He is the anointing that will set me free. And my responsibility Darnell said, I just repented in my car after hearing this word. So I got to turn from it. So then now what's the next thing I need to do? What barriers to disobedience do I need to install in my life? What barriers to disobedience do I need to install in my life? When the woman got caught in adultery, Jesus said to her, go and sin no more. He was basically saying to her, listen, don't go back to the place that got you caught up with Rabbi Jones to begin with. Don't go back. What are the barriers? So it's not just enough for me to say that I'm sorry. God, I'm turning from this. Now I got to know what do I need to put in place to block me from being disobedient? Disobedient. What are the boundaries I need to have? Pastor Edwin said this. I think you said this on TED Talk the other day that when we and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> it was a TED Talk first. Please forgive me. Ed Talk on Ed Talk the other day. You said that when we were changing our marriage, is that when you said that that there were that there were boundaries we had to put in place for our engagement? Oh, sure. Yes. If we were going to change our marriage, then we had to take away the normalcy of some dysfunction that we had normalized. Mm -hmm. So we, some of our boundaries had to be, we didn't get to yell at each other anymore. We, we didn't get to talk crazy to each other anymore, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't get to do those things anymore. So what are the boundaries or the barriers that you need to install in your life to keep you from going back to this place. Mm -hmm. Don't be ignorant of his devices. What gets you caught up? What gets you in the place that you start modifying what God is saying, that you start selectively hearing what God is saying? What barriers need to be in your own life? Let's see what the people are saying. We're getting ready to go. We're going to get... No, I just, you know, I say Rabbi Jones because, you know, me and Mr. Jones is where I get that from. Is this helpful to you guys? Because God wants to see you prosper financially. God wants your marriage to prosper. God wants your relationship with your kids to prosper. God wants you to prosper on your job. There is God wants you to prosper in your mind. 
but the anointing requires that you do it the way God is telling you to do it. Let's see what's happening in the comments. We've all repented. Maybe you want to be a partner of this great ministry. Courtney says, ask, listen, and obey God with fidelity and intentionality. One of the big things that we say is that one of the biggest barriers you can put in your life, biggest barriers you can put in your life, is that once you have heard from God, you confer no longer with flesh and blood. Once you know what God said, I love what Etoy said. She said, it's on me to put boundaries in place to protect myself from myself. Mm -hmm. So what are the boundaries we need to put in place to protect ourselves from ourselves so we don't treat God's instructions as optional and not get the breakthrough? And in order to do that, you have to be self-aware. People who aren't self, people who are not self-aware often overestimate their own abilities. And because they overestimate their own abilities, they don't see a need for boundaries. Mm. And because you don't see mm. a need for boundary, you end up going beyond where you should. Mm. But it all starts because a lot of people are not self-aware. I said in one of my That's Ed good. talks one time. I'm was, sorry, babe. <laughs> no, no, I, babe, I'm sorry. No, you ain't got to no, say Ed that hard. I babe, said in one of my sorry. Ed talks one time that the reality of it is, is that Part of the reason I don't suffer a lot of failure is because I don't spend time overestimating myself. And when you don't spend time overestimating yourself, you don't give room to those things happening in your life because you give yourself boundaries. Okay. Can you, from your ad talk, could you potentially pull out a couple of examples that people could about not overestimating themselves? Give us two examples, because I know you got them, teacher. No, I mean, there's there's lots of different examples. I mean, it, I, I shared the one I shared was about the number of men who suffer from from pornography addiction, whether they call it addiction or not, and and they find themselves saying, "I'm not going to do it anymore," but they keep doing it. And the reason they do, they keep doing it is because they don't put boundaries in their lives, like say, okay. You know, and I use an example, I think in one of my ed talks, what I said was, I said, if you, <laughs> I said, if you are having an issue, um, you know, and, and you're going to bed at night and your spouse is going to bed at night and then you're picking up your phone and you ended up watching pornography, put your phone somewhere where you can't reach it. Put it in a safe at night. Turn it all the way off. You know, if you struggle with watching pornography at home, get you a desktop computer and put it in a place where there are lots of people around. You know, uh, if you're struggling with certain foods, you can't eat food that's not in your house. And I know people think that's funny when I say that, but really, if you struggle with late night snacking, you can't snack if there's no snacks there. So this put a boundary true. in your life where you don't have snacks. So there's lots of things you can do, but people go, oh, I can have the snacks. I'm not going to eat it. Lies. Because what happens is you may not eat it one night, but eventually them, them, them honey buns, uh, them Twinkies, them M&Ms, them, them peanuts, whatever it is, it's going to call you. But because you've overestimated yourself, now you fail. I don't fail a lot because I don't overestimate myself. I don't say, oh, I'm strong enough to handle it. I assume I'm not, so I don't have it in my presence. And, that, and I think that sometimes that's what people have to learn to do. I think that's real dependency on Christ, because what I heard you say is I assume I'm not. 
Like it's literally like the understanding that the only reason I'm not a complete fool is because of Jesus. Absolutely. And so I don't. And over then aside from Christ, I'm going to fail. Aside from your Christ. flesh is, I'm not overestimating myself. When you begin to overestimate yourself, you begin to think that your flesh won't do certain things, but your flesh will do everything it wants to do if it's not constrained by the Holy Spirit. Because how many times has somebody ended up in a situation that they swore they would never be in? All of they us. Thought they, we, come on. All of we, us. We, we thought, baby, we never thought we would be in that situation. There are people who had affairs that said, I would never have an affair. There are people who said, I, was, I would never steal. I would never lie. I would never. And you found yourself doing all kind of stuff. The moment you start to say you will never, you start nevering like never before. Oh, Lord. The moment oh, you Lord. say I'll never, you will start nevering, nevering like, like never, never before. before. Because oh. you've now overestimated yourself. And as Pastor Nietzsche said, it turns into pride. You know, and it's this idea that I have the ability to do it. Outside of Christ, I have no ability to do anything but fail. Outside of Christ, I have. And a lot no. of people don't want to say that about themselves, but it's true. Outside of Christ, everything I do would fail. All I can do proficiently without Christ is, is fail. fail. All I can do all I can do proficiently without the anointing is fail. And because I believe that, I don't fail a lot. And people go, oh my gosh, you're X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. I'm not X, Y, and Z. I am sold out to the fact that aside from Christ, I would utterly fail. But the moment you sell out to that, your failures will stop <laughs> because you become reliant on Christ. Do you have any, why do you think that so many believers are still so self-reliant? Well, we live, especially in America, we live in a society that focuses on individualism and self-reliance. We tell people that you shouldn't ask for help. We tell people you ought to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We tell people, we literally tell people that if they want to be seen, be deemed worthy or important, they ought to be self-reliant. And so we live in a culture of thinking that, you know, but the truth of the matter is, man, I am 100% reliant on Christ. I realize that everything I try to do outside of him is going to eventually end in failure. I happen to wholeheartedly believe that. A lot of people don't. They think they they think that they can do certain things and still be successful without Christ. And what happens is they get lulled into thinking it because they don't see failure immediately. Mm. They don't see failure immediately. And it's, it's, it's like when you lie to your parents one time. Okay, you lie the first time and you get away with it. You lie the second time, maybe you get away with it. Eventually, they're going to find out you were lying and they're going to find out all the other lies you told. And that's what the enemy's doing. It's, I call it the great setup. He lets people Ooh. think they're able to do things on their own so they get used to and proficient of doing things aside from asking Christ to be involved. And then just at the right opportune time, he brings the hammer down on them. And now they back to ground zero, feeling like they worthless, like God don't love them. Woe is me. It was your own disobedience. It was your own pride. It was your own estimation. And it's going to happen again if you don't change. And, and people don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. 
You're gonna, you're gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna put some salve on you. He's gonna heal you, tell you that he loves you because he does. And you're gonna feel better and you're gonna rely on Christ for everything you do until you don't. And then you're gonna do one thing without him and you're gonna feel like it worked. And you're gonna be right back in that cycle. And then just at the opportune time, he's gonna lay that hammer on you. Why? Because, because the enemy is an ultimate terrorist and he is waiting for just the right time to lay that hammer down on you. And you got to know that. So if you know that, you go, I don't care what. I am going to include Christ in every decision I make because aside from him, I'm going to fail. Somebody say preach pastor. No, really. But think about this. And you see this with people around their value. Like people are always on social media saying, I'm worth this. I'm worth that. For me, Baby, my worth comes from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the problem for people is you think your worth is because you're pretty. You think your worth is because you're handsome. You think your worth is because you do good at a good job. But what happens when you get old? What happens when you get fired? What happens when you don't get the promotion? Because you still put your worth in something outside of Christ. You think you deserve a husband because you would be a good wife. You, All of that is still rooted in this lie of self-reliance. Mm -hmm. and, so, and what I hear you saying is that self-reliance is the great slight deception of the enemy to be able to lull us into a place that we can be destroyed. It's the great setup. It's the great setup. And how great is our God that even when we think that we're managing by ourselves, he is constantly pulling us back. He's constantly speaking to us. He's constantly helping us, right? But the reality of it is, is that there are no neutral words or behaviors. And it's really interesting because there's this discussion where it's like, it be your own self. It does be your own self. But it's your own self being influenced by the devil mm -hmm. because your own self is either influenced by the devil or is influenced by the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. And even when we say it's our own self and we take away the fact, though, that there is an enemy working on us, it's still a form of self-reliance. Mm -hmm. It's no, it's like, listen, I'm going to be moved by something and somebody. If I do not choose to be moved by Christ, I will be moved by the enemy. Mm -hmm. Failing to be choose to be moved and constrained by Christ, there is no neutral territory. The only other option is to be moved by the enemy, even if I don't know he's the one that's moving me. Amen. Man, y'all better say it again. Preach pastor i need christ to live i need christ to live and i really wish i pray that in your hearts that there would become this total dependence on him because you know for me it's such a basic thing people think they're smart without christ people think they like literally you can't breathe without christ if god takes his oxygen away you can't breathe your body doesn't work you literally have nothing without Christ. You have absolutely nothing without him. And as believers, what a beautiful thing is that? Mm -hmm. Because the Bible tells us in Romans is that he who offered up his own son, shall he not freely give him with us all things? All things. So when I give myself fully to Christ, I literally have said he is my source. 
and he is responsible for everything in my life. And I have no responsibility except to follow him. You know, we'll, we can close with this. One of the things we have said to each other for years, and that is, if God doesn't help us. We go fail anyhow. See, we say it all the time. God if God doesn't help, help us. us. We're gonna fail. We're gonna fail. Now, why do we believe that? We get we 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 got multiple degrees between us, right? We 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 have matriculated through different universities, right? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we built, it doesn't matter what people say, how successful we are, any of that. Our core belief, our value system is that if God does not help Edwin and Sean, we're gonna anyway. Yep. And you will know whether you really believe that by what you do when God tells you to do something or not to do yep. something. If you really want to know if you believe that, measure what you do when he tells you to do something. It's why I didn't take, a, it's why I didn't take the job in New York. In Harlem. In, in, in Harlem. Baby. Yeah, that's why I didn't take the job. Because even though it had everything I had ever thought I ever wanted in a job, including more pay than I wanted, God said no. He said, it's not yours. That, was, that, that job's not yours. Now, the question becomes, do I believe that aside from God, I'm going to fail or not? Because I could have got puffed up and said, well, it, they offered it. It's my, I, I moved. It's, I got, listen, aside from God, I believe everything I'll do from our faith, everything I do will fail. And so I'll only do what God tells me to do. And the truth of it is, is that we all know this because there have been people you've disciplined yourself, say not to curse. You've disciplined yourself not to drink. And, and then and then as soon as you think you got that thing mastered, you find yourself taking a drink or cussing somebody because if the Lord don't help you go fail, you will go back to your default in your flesh if mm -hmm. the Lord doesn't help you. Right. And it's like, you know, I love what ever said. The devil, the devil offers stuff daily, but it's a distraction. Sure. Don't take the stuff that he let here it is. The devil. And it, I don't care how much you wanted it. When God says it's not yours, now it, it now, now it's a distraction. It's not yours. If God says it's not yours, it's not yours. The devil is like um the witch in Snow White. He offers a shiny apple, but it's filled with poison. Mm -hmm. So what he offers is going to be pretty. What he offers is going to meet your desire. What he offers is going to seem like the perfect house, the perfect spouse. It's going to resonate with your flesh. It's going to resonate. Ooh, that's good. It's going to resonate with your flesh. What he offers is going to resonate with your flesh. It's going to be beautiful and shiny but it is filled with poison. Yep. It is filled with poison. And the thing about the enemy is that he got different types of poison. He got fast acting poisons and he got slow poisons. And the challenge for many believers is that many believers are taking slow acting poison. Mm -hmm. Slow acting poison. No, it's a slow drip. But I believe that we had some change today. And I believe that as we dig deeper in this series and we come back and we begin to talk about how Christ is the answer for our finances and Christ is the answer for our marriage and Christ is the answer for all the things that we're going to talk about over until God literally just exhausts this series. 
I believe we're now in position. I love what ever said is pretty, but it's poison. It's pretty, but it's poison, right? And I believe we're ready. How many of you believe we're ready? How many of you feel like you had a breakthrough this morning because you made a decision? I love what Tierra says. She said, as soon as you take the shiny bait, the promise switches up with the enemy, but God doesn't switch up on us. That's so good. The enemy offers you something. He tells you to date the person, take the job, do the drugs, but he never gives you what he said you were going to give you. Um, I, I learned this at your church. They used to say this all the time in Zion Temple, because sin will take you what? Further than you want to go and keep you and keep you longer than you want to be kept. Mm -hmm. But God has no bait and switch. Amen. And for whatever issue you have, Christ, Christ is, is the answer. answer. Listen, if you want to be a partner today, then we want you to click the link. Go to www.focchurch.com and scroll down and complete the partnership form. And then listen, how many of you ready to give today? I am ready to give today. But you know what you go do today? You know that as a believer, you should tithe. It ain't no question about that. You don't have time to debate about that. But you know what you're going to do with your offering? Practice what we're saying. God, what is my offering today? Mm -hmm. You can give with GiveLify, PushPay, Tidally, text to give, or if you're an international partner, focchurchnwa at gmail.com. But I want you to practice. You got to practice hearing and obeying God today. What is my offering today? What do you want me to give today, right? What do you want me to do with the rest of my day? What do you want me to do this week, right? Why? Because Christ is the answer and we want to see what God has. Amen. One of the things you can do this week is come to the services. Yep. I got strategies for success tomorrow at noon. We have Ed Talk Tuesday at noon. E-D, Ed, not E-D, Ed Talk <laughs> Ooh, child. Y'all need to pray for Pastor. You don't move on. And then on Wednesday. Well, you're not married to Ted. You know my name. That's okay. That's shady, but you know Ted Talk was there first. I understand. That's why I'm calling mine Ted. <laughs> Wednesday night. Oh. So then Wednesday night. We have prayer at seven and then we have ignite at, um, at seven 15. And I love it. The ignite girls got to meet together last week. That was super in cool in person, got to meet together in person. And if you want to be a part of those ignite teams, we really need you. We have partners all over the nations. They have kids all over the nation. Let's get these kids, uh, Pop said, leave it alone. He's you right, Pop. You know what I'm saying? He told me to oh. leave it alone. But Nietzsche said you need to stop antagonizing him. Well, all right. Okay. And then and then we have Pastor Ralph that's going to come with refreshed Bible study, right, mm -hmm. at 8 p.m. And then at 6.30 on Friday morning, what happens? The champions gather, and we shout out all of you guys who are um, – who are joining for Champion Circle. Something supernatural happens when we pray. And then on Sunday, we're going to have Pastor Chris and um, Elder Valley at 9 a.m. And then at 9.30, we're going to be back still teaching what? There is a Christ for that. But mm -hmm. what's the one thing we want you to focus on? What's going down May 28th, partners? May 28th is the huddle. And we want to see you in the place. I really want to shout out these Little Rock people. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all. Little Rock, y'all can drive up here once a month. Little Rock, you can do it. If you're within two or three hours, 
You can get here. Listen, just make a day of it. Go ahead, listen. Come on in to church, then go on over to Chicken Heads, and then make your way on back down that mountain. <laughs> but baby, you can come if you live in Little Rock, and you need to set your mind to go. Don has let us know that the huddle is her birthday weekend, mm -hmm. and so we will be excited to see Don. I guess she will be back on the bongos yet again, and we appreciate that. We love you guys so much. What do we need you to do this week? Whatever the Lord is telling you to do. God has given all of us instructions. Let's be found doing them. Let's not let our own disobedience keep us from the breakthrough Christ has already made available to us. Nietzsche just said that she knows that y'all can get here from Little Rock because her and Don catch fights to come. I know y'all be catching flight for booze and stuff, but y'all catch a flight for the boo of all booze, the most high, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can drive for a football game or a basketball game. Or a concert. Or to see the Razorbacks, you can drive one. It's not a, it's not a I can't. It's whether you're going to do it or not. So we love to see you on May 28th. So as we leave, this is what we want you to do so we can go back and look at them. We want you to put your biggest takeaway from today's teaching in the comments so we can go back and look at them over the week. Next week, we're going to be talking about how Christ is the answer to every financial trouble. Mm -hmm. Amen. And one more announcement before we go. We want to remind people about Relationships oh, 101. Relationships 101 happens this coming Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, May 2nd at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're going to be talking about how learning. not to harass your wife. We're going to be talking about learning how to oh. repair the breach. We're going to talk about learning how to repair the breach. We've talked about apology language. We've talked about communication. We talked about having crucial conversations. Now we're going to put all of that together and we're going to talk about how do we know when it's time to repair a relationship, when it's time to, to leave a relationship, when it's time to repair a relationship in the proper way to repair a relationship. So we're going to be talking about repairing the breach. You know, it's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Remember, you need to go to Edwin and Sean Strickland's Facebook page, right? That's where we do it from, the Edwin and Sean Strickland Facebook page. And it's going down on Tuesday, May 2nd, 7 p.m. So you want to be there. You need to share this broadcast. You need to tag somebody in this broadcast. And you need to talk about this broadcast because this is life changing. So put what you learned in the comments and go and have an amazing day. We love you guys so much. We will see you this week. Amen.